Hello and welcome to the latest LP podcast. I'm Mark Lazarus. With me is Scott Powers, and we are in Vancouver right after the NHL draft. How do you think the Blackhawks did? Give me your instant <laughs> assessment, instant grade right now. Uh, I was going to say we're in a legal suite to start off with, possibly. Yeah, we, we got we got romantic music in the background. We are hiding in a private suite on the second level. It's very nice, but it's not stocked. There's plates and silverware and napkins, but nothing to eat or drink, so... We should have chosen the one that had the big uh, case of Nestia. I felt strange that you leading off the podcast and me not doing it. Uh, well, we're using my microphone. Yeah, I know. Fans, so, uh, fancy. It, this, is, this, is a, this is a big deal for us. This yeah. is my old one. If anyone knows how to use a, a Mac Airbook and figure out how you can add administrative skills on it to <laughs> transform the record. Well, the pretty soon, and, 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 and we should probably point this out, by, yeah, with, by, the time, by the time hockey season starts, we will have a more formal podcast. Yeah, I think that should like make a, us do it regularly. Yeah, which, it'll, it'll be doing someone else be in charge. I think yeah, we'll, we'll have someone that'll make it so it sounds like we're in the same room even when we're not, because we're usually not, which has been the problem over the past year. So next year, it'll be, you know, you'll be able to access it through the app, uh, it'll be regular, it'll be professionally produced, maybe we'll have theme music instead of just this kind of like uh, cheap-ass style we've been doing, and uh, it'll be good. So for now, we just figured we're here, we might as well do one. Uh, so this weekend, I don't I mean, there was so much build-up to this third pick, right? Like, we, we, we analyze it, and... We do all this research and we talk to these experts, and then um, you know, I, I felt like I wrote about it a little bit, but it becomes this group thing where we were convinced either Bowen Byram's the number one defenseman uh, or Alex Turcotte's the answer at center, uh, that Kirby Doc isn't the guy to take. You know, like you right. just. You, it's and, a feedback loop. Like one person says it, another person parrots it, and then all of a sudden it's scouts are saying, yeah. and then everybody's saying, and then everyone on the internet, including us, is an expert all of a sudden. Right, right. When hardly any of us have seen these kids play more than a. A, a gif online, right, right. Exactly. So it, it, it's it's so so from that standpoint, it was a surprise for them to take Kirby Doc at thirty. It was not the conventional wisdom, right, right. prevailing opinion. And then, I, I and I and I get that people get, get invested in this, but people get so angry. I mean, people are just, I mean, just spouting off about. Well, we did that Q and A on the flight here to Vancouver. We did a live Q and A on, on on the Athletic, and I finally asked them. I'm like, I, I just asked the general popular populace. Why do you have such hard opinions on this? Is this something that you're really studying? Do you know everything? If you watched Bowen Byram, or is this just you've read the stuff that we've written, which is based off things that other people have seen? Yeah. And I, I was amazed. A lot of people, they really are into it. There are draft nicks out there in every yeah. sport. But it's not like football or the NBA where you see these guys on national TV every week in college sports. It's it's so much harder. It's such a such a more of a crapshoot that... I'm always amazed that people are so confident that they're right because I don't even think the Blackhawks are as confident that they're right. Well, as that's, we, we had dinner some with fans are. we had uh, we we were out with Corey Promman last night and mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he's like he's like this is what I think but I don't know and right. and Stan Bowman even even the other day you know after the draft gesture he's like this is what we project you know if he turns out if this happens and this happens and this happens right we think we have the best. Potential That's player. what he said. He said, he said if, if every one of these prospects becomes the best player they can be, yeah. we think we got the guy who's the best of them. And that's a big if. Right. I mean, Dylan Strome was number three pick and was a bust yeah. up no, until yeah, last I mean, year. I'm sure they were extended. Look with at Cam Jesse Pugliardi. Right? He's a big guy. Everybody was high on him a few years ago, and now he's demanding a trade. You probably get him for a bucket of pucks. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a total crapshoot. I mean, you got your Hughes and your Kako, and we don't even know that those guys are going to be megastars. Right, no. We sure, sure see where, where we, we think they will be, but you don't know that. That, that was the hardest part yeah, about... Yeah, was a number one overall pick. I think that was the hardest part about this draft and being where the Blackhawks were, because you 
you pretty much dictated the rest of the draft, or at least that that window of the draft where you were going to say this is the next best guy after these two that were like the definitive draft picks, and then you had to decide on who doesn't make us look foolish, basically. Right. You know, like, and that's if you're picking seventh and you get this wrong, you say, well, the guy we wanted got taken. Yeah. But if you're picking third and you get this wrong, you had your choice of all those guys. So. So Kirby Doc, fairly or unfairly, probably unfairly, will forever be compared to what Alex Turcotte does, what Bowen Byram does, what Trevor Zegers does, what all these guys do, what Cole Caulfield does. He's going to score 40 goals a year, and he's sitting there and pick 15. I mean, all these guys are going to be reevaluated. We're going to be like, oh, man, they made the right call, or oh, man, I can't believe they passed up on Alex Turcotte. We were right. I mean, there's just no way to know. And in in a draft like this, I mean, you do what what was it, Detroit, that went way off the board at number six and picked a defenseman that nobody had going anywhere near that. That's like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? This one, it's there were five guys. There were four or five guys that were in that group. And if the Blackhawks thought that that Doc skating wasn't an issue and that his size would counteract that, they liked what they saw, and they said they, they particularly liked how he performed in the playoffs because the Blackhawks are hoping to get back into the playoffs, then all right, make, take your shot, make your pick. But the risk-reward of being number three is a lot different than being number five or six in this draft. And, and, I, and I talked to Corey Prime a little bit more after the draft yesterday about it. And, and what he told me is that he, he thinks that Kirby Doc's the third or fourth most talented player in this. Like, when you look at what his skill set is, what he can be, there's a lot of upside there. And what Corey said, a lot of his issue with, with Doc was that he's underperformed, where he, it wasn't consistent, he wasn't as dominant as he should be. And, and he said he, you could see, you know, glimpses, um, and maybe more than glimpses, that he, that he could produce at the level. He still was a point-of-game guy. Yeah, no, for sure. But at least, he, he was, I think it was 25th in the WHL point per game. So right. it's not like it was like a five guys in that right, category right. or something, you know? Um, so I, I think from Corey's standpoint, he wanted to see more where that he's capable of doing more. And, and I think in the playoffs, it, it was more of that consistency and more of that level. And um, yeah, I'm curious to where, the, I mean, the Hawks, they're going to keep the window open to him. Uh, well, making, I think I'll get his nine games at the very least. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, they're having a press conference from on Monday. They've never done that with a draft pick since we've been covering the team. They're making a big deal out of this kid. They're going to give him the nine games unless he makes a total buffoon of himself in yeah. training camp. Well, the, which I don't expect. I, I, it's I, interesting I, that you say that you know that that they, they feel he underperformed because I wonder. You know, I, I did a story on on Paul Goodman, the Blackhawks strength coach, and one of the things that I found interesting was he says when he's looking at a guy and he sees a guy whose mechanics are all off, is off balance. He looks it's not working right, but he's still putting up the kind of strength numbers that he wants to see, and he thinks to himself, man. If, he, if, 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 if I get my hands on him and I can correct all that, imagine what he can do. Yeah. And that's a way to look at a prospect like this is he's scoring a point a game. He's still productive even though he's doing this wrong, he's doing this wrong, he's not consistent. And you think, well, we can whip in into shape and then just imagine what he could be. It's so also, I think that's it's a, a kid that's 6'4 at 17, 18 years old. Like right. where it's, he's going to be 220 pounds by right, the time he's yeah, in his prime. For sure, yeah. I mean, he's going to be built like Marion Hosa, ideally. What, what, what I'm not, I, I guess... I could see him getting nine games, but I think what the need to, what the Blackhawks need to figure out here in the coming weeks is how this forward line of the roster is going to look. Because even today, you know, you would ask uh, Stan Bowman about Perlini, and it sounded like he was going to resign him. Um, you know, you just you traded Hayden, so uh, that opens up a, a probably an NHL spot. I don't think John Quinn was probably an NHL player right now. Yeah, you could probably get him on a two-way contract too right now. Yeah, um, potentially. Yeah, but either way, I, I you know I think you know looking at Quinnipiac probably go through waivers, so maybe that's. Uh, but either way, I, I think when you, you you've added um, Kubalik and you've added Whedon and 
Um, you know, you have some guys coming in the open a spot with Cahoon, but I, I think there's still roster numbers there. And if you're looking at a center, and right now down the middle you have Taves and Strom and uh, Anisimov in camp, and, and things may happen in trades there, but I, I, I think there's some things to figure out with Secura and just where this NHL lineup's going to be, because I think they... I think they sold Whedon, and especially Kubelik, that they have chances. And, and to make Bowman has made it pretty clear he expects them to be playing yeah. in the NHL right away right. next year. And so, I guess when you add up at who's actually, if we listed all the guys there, I think we're well, already. I think, I think you mentioned the guy that players. everyone's been. We've been talking about Artem Anisimov for a year and a half now. About yeah. him, he's just a poor fit on this team now. Now that he's not centering Patrick Kane, he doesn't really fit. Yeah. He's not a third line center because he's not really a shutdown guy. He's not that. He's, he he scores on the power play. I mean, he's still getting twenty goals a year. I mean, it's not like he's a bum. He's not worthless out there, but no. at four and a half million dollars, he's not really a good fit for this team. And if you think that Doc can step into that third line center role right away, which is a big ask for an eighteen year old, but he's the number three pick. This happens a lot. Then, you know, once he gets his signing bonus on July first, he becomes very tradable. Yeah. And and that's the other point that Stan Bone made today was that about how they do have this cap space and it's probably probably fourteen, fifteen million dollars that they have uh, entering this period. But the problem is that you go into free agency, you're looking at, even it's Pavelski or maybe, maybe you know, Corey Perry or whomever, that guys probably are looking for multi-year deals, and that becomes complicated. You think Corey Perry's looking for a multi-year deal? Maybe not. No, I, you know, I, I think Pavelski would want two or three years, certainly. Yeah, yeah, certainly. But, yeah, I was talking Pierre Lebrun yesterday, and he said that, uh, he, he, you know, he mentioned in his notebook that the Blackhawks have already contacted Corey Perry, and he's, he thought... That Perry could sign a short-term deal because also the, he can, the, his the deal's going to have incentives. In it the part of me that wants to watch the world burn really wants the Blackhawks to sign Corey Perry because I want to see Blackhawks fans have to root for him. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that as a fan? A guy you've hated for the better part of a decade. Hated. Just talks so much shit about it. Hated so much. What happens when he scores an overtime winner for you for the Blackhawks? What do you do as a fan? I don't know how you would handle that. But, the, but then even like getting the, but the, I guess where I was going was that was with, 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 with guys like Pavelski, whatever, that's the, they're going to want the multi-years and that, that complicates what the cap is. The Blackhawks concern next, is for next summer with the Brinkett and Strom um, and those players and the guys that are going to, you know, take big chunks of that cap. So he was saying that he thought the Blackhawks may be more active. And acquiring guys through trade than free agency, just because it's, it could be shorter term deals or right. you know guys that could fit into the their financial picture. Well, um, yeah, but, but then I guess the, the, my, I, the other one I was going to go was that if you add Pavelski or Dzingel or whomever, it's that I, I guess maybe we can play around with this a little bit. But there are there are already forward spots like you you you, you got Taves and Saad and Kane and. And Strom and Debrinkit and like there there are a lot of forward yeah. spots I already feel like that are. Well, it's the same thing with the defense. We keep saying they need to bring in more defenders, but where do you put them? Right, right. Yeah, no. Even now, like you know, it's once they brought in Olimata, now it, it's just. When you've you already resigned that? Dahlstrom and Cuckoo and right. yeah, Forsling's an RFA, and you know we asked Bowman about Forsling today too, and it, it, he wasn't committal. On, it sounded on, like he wants to keep him, or yeah, at least but, he's but, talking about so we can trade him. Right, right. But like, where does he actually fit in? And do you do you give Boquist a look or do you? I mean, like, Yoki Haru's got to be in the NHL next year. Right. You can't have him languishing in Rockford anymore. They have so many defensemen, yeah. and you might say as a Blackhawks fan, well, they're not any good, and you might be right in some cases. But the fact is, they have to go somewhere. They got to go somewhere. And Murphy is actually pretty good. Keith is still pretty good. Yoki Haru is pretty good. 
And then you, you, you throw in Mata. Oli Mata's not bad. Oli Mata's healthy. He's pretty good, actually. He's a good, solid defensive defenseman, which is what they need. The health is a huge issue, yeah. obviously. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. And then Eric Gustafson is, is you know, you need to get him minutes because he's so productive. He's got to be under power play. He's got to be in the lineup. Yeah. And it, I, I ran into this problem when I was doing those off-season scenarios last week. Every scenario I had had Brent Seabrook as the number seven defenseman. He is the seventh best defenseman on the team, probably. Mm-hmm. Any, any way you slice it, no matter what that lineup's going to look like. But can you take a guy of his stature and his salary and really have him as a rotational guy? I don't know if they have the, the guts to do it. I don't know if they want to do it. I don't know how Seabrook would handle that. It's a really tricky position they're in because he's got five more years on that contract. I don't think he starts the season off as a seventh. No. But that's the way out of this. That's the way into making these all these defenseman additions, that possible additions coming in, without having to trade a Murphy. And I know everybody wants to trade Murphy. It seems in my Twitter mentions, everyone always wants. To, I don't understand that. He's actually a pretty good value at three and a half million or whatever he's at. Three the, the problem is that you, a lot of the guys in this defense work if you have better high end defensemen. Right. Well, they're they're all middle guys or at best. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's if if Murphy was your fourth or fifth best defenseman. That's good. Right. If it's, he's your two, it's not so good. Yeah. And, and they're all, you know, like, Gustafson's a really good offensive defenseman. And if he was your 3-4, maybe? four, You know, like... like I'll be curious to see if they, like, pair him with, like, Mata or something like that. A guy who's just going to stay home and, and, and just kind of bail him out repeatedly. Yeah. I, I guess also it depends on, on how they're going to... How many defense are going to play their offside or what, like, what makes sense, you know? Well, like, Gustafson can do it. Murphy can do it. Um, that's... Pretty much it on what they've got. Uh, guys that can play either on, on, on their offside, yeah. I think. So Mata's left. Right? Mata's a left. Yeah. So, uh, which is fine because uh, I mean, Gustafson doesn't I, mean, I think Mata and Yoki Haru can maybe make sense. Yeah, that'd be fine too. I know you know, you know Keith and Yoki Haru like each other. They like playing together. Yeah. They have a But I don't think like Colton was sold on that. No, he wasn't. He wasn't sold on Yoki Haru at all. Yeah, I, I, I think it's that defense is going to be reshaped some way. It's going to happen. And, and, and maybe it's through it's Forslinger. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they already re-signed Kuku and Dahlstrom. And, I mean, those are the type of guys that could probably maybe get through waivers anyways. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it just, it's... And, and Rockford, the numbers are... I mean, you, you have so many defensemen. You have, you, you have Bodan signed and... Uh, and Chris just signed, and Tillman you know. and Gilbert are down there. Yeah, and, and you know, so, uh, when I talked to Mark Eden a few months ago, he um, he was he didn't commit to it, but he certainly thought that Adam Bolquist could maybe be playing against men next year, is the way he put it. Right. So you you think that Rockford was a possibility, and um, and if he's not ready, then yeah, you send him to London. But if he's ready, then you certainly want to put him in the mix and start getting him like. It, it's really weird because we keep talking about how the Hawks have all this cap flexibility, but they don't have any roster flexibility up no. front in defense in the in the system. I mean, if you're a young forward, there's a spot for you in Rockford. Certainly, they don't have a ton there, but at the NHL level and on the blue line at both levels, there's just there's nowhere to put these guys. So something has to change pretty dramatically in order to to really shake things up. Otherwise, you're basically going to say, all right. This was a 100-point pace team for the second half of the season. A little tweak here, a little tweak there, and let's see what they do. But if you really want to shake things up dramatically, it's going to have to take some drastic actions. The Blackhawks are actually set up to then. This won't happen, but if you have $15 million in cap space and you're actually looking probably for a guy for one year that you sent, you put out, I'd say, tell Panarin, here's $14 million for one year. Like, what, you know, like... If this were the NBA, yeah. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. That's, what, that's what would be best for the Blackhawks is that you pay someone for a year, the, that guy can walk away because you're in a different cap picture a year from now, but 
because even now, like they, if he's going to bring someone in through trade, that they're going to have to trade away some pieces, and and certainly you have some prospects and, and assets you can trade, but it's not always. Yeah, it's, I mean, you yeah, I asked Mark Kelly about the, the the defensive logjam last month when I first talked to him for the first draft run up stuff, and he goes, he's like, all these guys aren't going to play for the Blackhawks; these are assets. Yeah. I mean, he was very blunt about that. And you know, you look at a guy like a Nicholas Bodan; he's a first round pick. There's a, there, he's retained his value, as as Mark Kelly put it. Um, there's a lot of guys ahead of him, probably in the hierarchy here. That's a tradable asset. You know, all these guys, Adam Boquist is a tradable yeah. asset. I'm still surprised they didn't trade because after you draft them, most of these guys become less valuable. Like it's more valuable as the pick, you know. Do you view the first round pick? And you know, looking back, and even what Toronto did today, trading Marlowe to get uh, the freeing that cap space. I think it's last last June of Stan Bowman trades that first round pick to get rid of Hosa's contract and was really aggressive in doing that. You keep Pinastroza, and then you also enter free agency with money. Um, so yeah, I. I I'm curious what the value of Bodan is right now. Like, what other teams would value something like right. that, or or even Bolquist? Because there's a lot of question marks about uh, these guys have potential, but none of them are sure bets. I mean, Yoki Haru is certainly the closest to being. I mean, we, we thought he was NHL ready last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he's already shown he can play it. But Bolquist yeah. defensively, I mean, he's took to be a year or two away. Right. Yeah, Bodan's. He could be a nice player, but he's also like he's a small enough guy where you. But that's why I say like you think about moving him now before that value drops. Yeah. Before you know, before you. Before he's a known commodity, that's not known as a good thing, potentially. Right, but I—I I mean, I think I mean organizations scout these guys. These, I mean, they yeah. probably have an idea what Bodan is or what could be, right? But it, it's just a weird position to be in because I don't know how you make this team dramatically better without giving up a lot. No, because there's just so many pieces locked into place. I, I think Mata makes them better, but it's not good enough still. Yeah, like, it, I, you and I talked about this a little bit, and we thought it was strange how they did that move so quickly. Yeah. Like, you can make that trade, all right, if Mod is the best thing you can get going, but wouldn't you want to explore to see if you can get... A, you you probably only have the ability to add one defenseman. Right. Is that the one you wanted? You didn't want to explore a little some other ones? And that's the... I guess that's the strange thing. And he gave up a pretty... I mean, Dominic Cahoon's not going to like the world on fire. No, but, but a, he was a, a useful defensive player. forward and yeah. a group of offensive He could play anywhere in the lineup. He was useful. He's very, yeah, versatile. And, that, and that's, again, like you said, the ro- roster flexibility, because you have the cap space, and now you committed a spot to Mata, which is fine, and I, I think he helps on the PK, and, and I you know I keep on looking at why the Blackhawks failed last year, and the PK and stuff around yeah. the net, certainly. Um, and Mata's not Ma- Mata's, perfect. Mata's a good PK yeah, guy. Yeah, he, he helps. Yeah. It just, it, you jumped so quickly at giving up a spot that was just, it's, they're at a premium with this team, you know? And, I, mean, I mean, the Blackhawks gave up more for... Uh, Olimata than the Devils gave up for PK Subban. Yes. I know it's not the same because of a nine million dollar contract, right? But I mean, they gave up. A, a, they didn't give up a, 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 an asset. They gave up a player, right? Yeah. So you wonder, you know, is that the best? I mean, and, and from everything I've heard, everyone has talked to me has said that Stan's been super aggressive the last month or so. So maybe that was the best he thought he could get. Maybe the market wasn't what he wanted it to be. And the fact is, there's not a lot of exciting defenseman free agents out there that you can just wait till July 1st and go pluck some great players. Well, especially when it was Edler and Carlson. Uh, Carlson, all these guys don't yeah. make it to UFAs, right? That's what, and that happens every year. We talk all year about, oh, this guy's going to be UFA, and then yeah. they just resign because they just don't go anywhere. Yeah. There's no player movement in the NHL. No, it's not very... It's, 
Yeah, I mean today, I guess I mean Superman being traded is such a like it, it added drama today, but it was still uh, such you, a you boring figured, day. You figured like some of the like, more fireworks the last two days, and I, I think the salary cap issue has a lot to do with that. I mean, we're talking eighty-one point five or eighty-two million, and the GMs don't know that. Yeah. And five hundred thousand dollars makes a difference. I mean, for all those years the Hawks were up against the cap, five hundred thousand dollars—that's a—that's a significant amount of yeah, money. Definitely, definitely. So you can't necessarily commit to some of these things, and that's why teams like Carolina taking on Marlowe, teams like New Jersey with tons of cap space taking on uh, uh, Subban—they can do that because they have that kind of flexibility. The Central Division is changing, man. You lose Jacob Truba out of Winnipeg, you lose Subban out of Nashville, and God, Colorado's going to run with this division for a while. Uh, I mean, St. Louis is obviously the Stanley Cup champions. And they're not going anywhere. They're yeah. going to be good. But Colorado is building something serious. You had Bowen Byram. They got Kale McCarr. You already got that great top line. Yeah. I mean, I remember we talked when, when they won the division uh, with their great PDO year. Was it fifteen sixteen when Patrick Wall was a genius and all that? And um, they won the division. And we were all talking about man, they look like the two thousand nine Blackhawks. Look at all these young pieces they've got. That weren't now. Now they look like the 2009 Blackhawks. That team is going to be a force in the Western Conference for a long time. So the Jets and Preds might be coming down to earth a little bit. It remains to be seen if the Preds get Matt Duchesne with that money they right, saved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Duchesne, I think he has a house in Nashville. He loves Nashville, so maybe that happens. But uh, the Central Division, the complexion of it is going to change pretty dramatically, I think. Um, I mean, we, we don't know a whole lot about these draft picks, but I feel like being at the draft... We should... Oh, we could talk about it, I'm sure. So, cool. uh, Alex Velasquez, the local, kid. local kid, they took uh, in the second round, and Mark Kelly said they projected him to go in the first round. So, um, he's, he's a big kid. He's 6'6". Six, six, six. Six. You saw him at the... Uh, Scott. I feel bad, because I, when I went to go watch Turcotte at this camp a few weeks ago, Velasquez was there. <laughs> and I, and I, I saw him work out for an hour, and... You know, I didn't talk to him, but I, you know, he's 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 big and he has some skills. And he's Mark Edward Vlasic's cousin. They're, yeah, they're not super close because they're like twelve years apart. As he, he said, he out. grew up a Sharks fan. Yeah, he grew up as he grew up a Sharks fan, and we met during the Hawks pro heyday. So that's interesting. But but he's the opposite of everything else they have in this. Right, he's, he's everyone else is this little offensive guy. He's a big stay at home guy, yeah. which is a great thing. You need that in your system. He's going to Boston next year. And he said he said he plans to spend maybe spend two years at yeah, PU, so he's still yeah. he's off. Yeah. But uh, no, that's a that's a good solid pick. The rest of the guys, who the hell knows? Yeah, they, they uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who they. It was a big a big goalie that was a couple of years away. It was a sixth round pick. He's like a high school goalie, which is like I mean that's you're you're. Yeah. He's not even going to college next yeah. year. He's going to Mark college. Mark Kelly told us a funny story about how he showed up and the kid was even playing the day. <laughs> yeah, he drove in a snowstorm to go watch him play, and then he wasn't even playing. He's like, <laughs> I had to ask him, "When are you playing?" Because tomorrow. <laughs> ah, so uh, uh, that's the life of a scout. The life of a scout's a weird life, man. But they drafted uh, Michael Kempney, um, <laughs> correcting the Joel Quenville mistake. Oh, wait, no, that's a different guy. Michael Tepley, sorry. You know, based on, again, based on Corey Promin's rank, he had a bunch of the guys yeah, in the no, top they're, 100. They're, they're, they're Vlasic and uh, Tepley and um, Lincoln. The, oh, uh, Auntie Sorella. Yeah, look at you. All, hey, hey. All those guys were, uh, were, were really good value picks based yeah. on Corey's rankings. And Corey knows more about this stuff than just about anybody. You know, he had him going in the 60s and 70s, and the Blackhawks got him in the triple digits. So uh, there, there's good value to be had. Again, it's all a crapshoot. We're all projecting here. Yeah. But considering the Hawks didn't have a ton of picks, uh, they got a nice mix. They got a lot of big guys. You know, they, they said it wasn't – Stan Bowman and Mark Kelly both said it wasn't a concerted effort to get more size. But that one guy who emails me every year about the Hawks only drafting tiny guys is not going to be able to email me <laughs> this year, so I'm excited about that. Um. And then we, you know, we both just wrote about Kirby Doc, and you, you talked to his parents, and uh, and I, this week we'll. I, I know Corey's going to do breaking down every single pick, and 
uh, last year I talked to coaches and scouts, and I'll try to do that this week and put something out. So we'll, we'll certainly try to expand on our... Yeah, we got the free agency period coming up. or uh, starting on Sunday morning. You can start legally tampering, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then a week from Monday is the start of free agency. And then on July 2nd, everyone goes off to their cottages in Canada, <laughs> and the league shuts down for two months. Well, a prospect can come up after that, though. It'll be there's there's still there's plenty yeah, there's to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of intrigue in the Blackhawks this year. They're, yeah, they have cap space. It's, it's, they've got cap space, and they've got um, they have guys that they need to move. Like there's they have an impetus to do something now. You know. Yeah. They made enough progress last year that you can conceivably take that next step this year and maybe become something significant. Kirby Doc gets his own press conference on Money in Chicago. I'm sure that they've never done that. Adam Boquist didn't get that. I always time. wondered why the free agents, like they didn't do that with free agents more. Because like every they just, they just do teleconference. I know, like every single baseball player gets like a that's the NHL. That's the, that's the yeah. NHL. But sure. I, I, I think the Blackhawks use some positive press right now. Like these, they get on the airwaves and well, that's what they're doing. They're, they're clearly making more of an effort this year. It seems. I mean, you, you look around at stories that are being written in the newspapers and by us over the last couple of months and the kind of things that wouldn't have gotten written a few years ago. Yeah. They are trying to get themselves out there more because they have fallen. I mean, I talked to John McDonough about the very beginning of the year last year, before they even fired Joel, and uh, I asked him, are you worried about the fact that the Cubs have passed you up significantly? Like, well, there's, the like, there's many, like, game pa- yeah, ticket they're, packages. Yeah, they're selling like ticket packages, there's billboards everywhere, and he said, yeah, we, we, that's an absolute concern. We don't want to fall down the totem pole. This is Chicago, you know... It, you're always at a disadvantage being a hockey team in almost any city in, in the states, and, uh, and and they're very aware of that. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to see them doing things like this. This is the kind of thing that they wouldn't have done necessarily in the past. I I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious if there's still like a big bang. You know, like it's if this is the off season right now, it's Mata and and Kirby Doc and. Well, we spent all last year saying they were going to make some big moves, too, and it came out to Chris Kunitz and Brandon Well, then we, we also projected <laughs> them to be a last-place team after that, basically. Yeah, that's and true. So, as of right now, I mean, I, I think the Blackhawks have slightly gotten better, but you take away Cahoon and you add Mata, two different players, but you... I mean, it's... it's yeah, there's, there's not a significant jump to what you have. No. And, 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 and I know the goaltending might be a little... I mean, Colin Delia looked good last year. Yeah, but, but yeah, you're still betting a little bit, and... And, and, I, and I know they've sold us a lot of, on Carlton having a full camp and, mm-hmm. and how they finished last year, but the numbers still said the Blackhawks were, as much as they were winning, that there were still some deficiencies, and I don't think it's been completely fixed yet. No, certainly not. Like, if they, if they have another quiet season and say, all season and say, you know what, we're saving money for Debrinket and Strom, they're not going to be... They might make the playoffs next year, but they're not going to be an impact team. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to do what the Blues did. They're not going to run rough shot through the playoffs. They need some significant pieces. Uh, it starts with Yoki Haru being in the lineup. Yeah. Um, Kubalik, people are high on him. They, he's a, he's, a, he's like a, a full-blown goal scorer, more than Cahoon was. And Wade, Waden, is it Waden or Whedon? Whedon yeah. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I think it's Waden or something. I'm about to ask him when he gets here. Um, he's more of a defensive-minded guy, so I mean, if you split Dominic Cahoon into two people, I guess it's kind of those two guys. But th- it's also banking on guys being able to make that transition, right? Like, like Cahoon, just because Cahoon, Cahoon did. Yeah, it's not every. We like, spent we, this we, time we, last year saying there's no way this guy. I mean, makes Whedon's that 26 and has played one year in Sweden's top division. Like right. it's, uh, you know, people are kind of thought of him as a late bloomer, but it's, and he, and he was hurt last year too. Like he played 30. 40 games in the SHL and it's not this huge 
yeah, it's, it's, it's not a huge window where he excelled. So, and, and he may work out, and Kubalik might work out, but these aren't absolutes. You know? And it's still, we're, we're still having the same problem that the Blackhawks are in. It's not a problem. So, well, it's kind of a problem. It's a dilemma where you know, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane had career years last year. So you know that you can win now because your two best players are, are, are at the top of their game. But all these prospects you have are like a year or two away still. Yeah. What are those guys going to look like in 2021, 2022, when Boquist and Mitchell and Doc are, are ideally impact players? Is Taves going to be a shell of himself? Is Kane going to start with, you know... Well, and like Keith and Seabrook, I mean... Keith and Seabrook, yeah. I mean, I mean Keith, Kane and Taves are closer to that 30 range still, but Keith and Seabrook are I mean, getting we know closer to that 35, 40 range. Right, know? I mean, I, I, Seabrook is, 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 is a huge X factor there, but Keith... You know, Keith had a pretty good year last yeah. year after a really bad one the year before that. And he strikes me as, as, as particularly motivated. I remember, you know, back in February when we were talking about, and, and, and Pierre Lebrun reported that, you know, uh, that, that the Blackhawks were going to approach Duncan Keith about waiving his no-movement clause. Everything I've heard was he was all for it at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, i got to get out of this. You know, I'm too, I, I don't want to go through this years-long rebuild. But by the time the deadline came around, the Hawks had turned things around. And people were buying in. And he was... He's sold on college now. Like from everything I hear, Keith is in, and he's excited to play. And I think that makes a difference at that stage of your career when you've been playing for 15 years almost, uh, and you've won everything there is to win. You need to have that extra motivation, otherwise you're just going to go through the motions. And he has it now. I think yeah. he's going to have. I think he's got some good years left in him. Yeah. Well, the motivation is a, is a huge component because it's it's going to get harder physically to yeah. to do what you've been doing. I right? mean, he's a physical freak, but yeah. he is also 35 years old. And we see how quickly guys fall off. I mean, we. I mean, Kunitz was certainly closer to that already, but Sharp and, and year by year. We're look at Subban. Subban had a bad year last yeah. year. And, you know, you, you look at, you know, I was reading Craig Cousins' trade grades on him, and he's getting quotes from scouts and, and GMs and stuff saying you know, he fell off a cliff last year. Mm-hmm. Like, his skating's just not there anymore. I mean, it, when it happens, it happens suddenly. It's not always a gradual decline. Right, Sometimes right. you just do fall off a cliff. So these are all concerns. So you want to win now. Yeah. So you want to see Doc in there this year, and you want to see Boquist break through at some point this year. You want to see all these guys do something now because three years from now, your next core might be looking great with the Brinkett and Strom and all these young kids. But then you got all these, you got four mid thirty, late thirties anchors weighing you down that cost a lot of money. Yeah. So that window is still pretty narrow, and the cap is not going up the way everybody wants the cap to go. I know they got the new TV deal in a couple of years, and we'll see if there's uh, any work stoppage or anything like that. But for the for the next couple of years, you're not going to get the kind of relief that makes ten point five million dollars not seem that much. Yeah. So there's a million different things that are that are at play here, and and it's a really difficult spot to be in if you're Stan Bowman. I don't know how you approach this exactly. You need to win now, but. You can't because you're drafting for the future, which also makes sense. It, it, it's, it's a hard it, job. We're gonna know a lot more a week from now. You know, like it's, yeah. it's by July second. That, that's the beauty of this stuff is it happens fast. Yeah, you know, we can all probably go out to dinner on July first and be unless they sign Nikolai Kabi Bulin again. <laughs> is that a Fourth of July one, right? No, that was July first. It was my first year on the beat, and I didn't know how this stuff worked. So I thought that they they sent out a press release. Uh, and they said, I'm like, oh, there's no more, you know, I guess there's no more signings. So me and my wife went to see uh, um, This is the End, you know, the Seth Rogen, yeah, yeah, yeah. James Franco movie about the end of the world. And we're in it, and I'm, I'm still checking my phone. I'm not that big of a derelict. Checking my phone, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, they just signed Nikolai Javi Bulin. 
oh shit, Stan Bowman's doing a teleconference in 10 minutes. I'm in a movie. And I had to leave and I found a McDonald's and I just ditched my wife at the movies. <laughs> and she had to wait like for me for a while. And so afterwards, I didn't see the rest of that movie till it was like 20 minutes left in the movie when this happened. I didn't see the end of that movie till an airplane flight, like an hour and a, like a, a year and a half later. I finally got to see the end of This Is The End. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go to the movies on July 1st. No. July 2nd, I might. Yeah. In July, there's a story from There's two of us now. Before too. We, that's true. Before we were on the beat, a couple of years before on the beat, they signed a July 4th signing and like had like a, a, a teleconference like in the, while everyone was at like a July 4th party. Everyone, and even like Quenville was, and there was like a whole mess. That July 1st of that Hobby Blown one, it must have been on a weekend because I feel like I was. Pretty sure that was 2013, right after the Cup. Yeah. I, just, I, I remember being out at my parents' place. In Nick, fun fact Nikolai Hobby Bullen still in Stan Bowman's dungeon. That's how they got rid of him. They just buried him. He's like the cask of Amontillado in Stan Bowman's house. Nobody knows what happened to Nikolai Hobby Bullen. He got a quote-unquote shoulder injury and then vanished into thin air. He made some decent money that year, too. Yeah, he can't spend it, though, because he's in the dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your ideal signing, acquiring, acquisition? if If you could get one guy to fundamentally alter this team, who would it be that's that's feasible? For me, it's Pavelski. I think he's a guy who's still really good. I think he'd be amazing on Jonathan Taze's right wing. He could play second line center if there's a, if there's an injury or you know if Strom is struggling or whatever. Like he gets you all kinds all these kinds of options. He makes that top six almost unparalleled. When you got Kane, Taze, Pavelski, Dabrinkit, Strom, and Saad. Yeah. And that's who's, who can match that top six. And sometimes you just got to go win five four. So give him three years of seven million a pop. See what happens. Yeah. I, guess, I just, I mean, I just watched those playoffs, and it's, it, goals are harder to come by, and it becomes it just. I don't know if this Blackhawks defense, regardless of how good your offensively, you can win. Like, it, I, I keep on thinking back at the Anaheim series in, in fifteen. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this defense could survive that. Well, no, hardly any. Right, right. Hashtag I, just, no you, you, I think you need, that. you know, and, and seeing what's happening, you know, St. Louis, like. Petrangelo, Petrangelo, Petrangelo. Um, like you, you, yeah, he's a really good defenseman, but it's it's always a very it's a, it's a deep group of very uh, average above average defensemen. And in Boston, you, you got Char who's aging, and you got McAvoy, but you, you got a lot of like consistent guys. And I just top to bottom, it's just I, I still question what his Blackhawks defense is and whether, regardless of how much offensive bang you have there, that. Um, and it, and it and it all depends on Crawford too, and, and, yeah. and like you said, who's entering the last year of his contract, by yeah. the way. So that that that's going to be a, a a big story all year long is what's Corey Crawford's future. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be open and talk to us. <laughs> yeah, guys, come on over. Let's talk about my contract. <laughs> which is all to say that there's a whole lot. Of, uh, of uncertainty entering the season, which will make it interesting. Like training camp is going to be interesting. Yeah. You got Colleton's first training camp. You got Kubalik and Whedon. You got the Mata situation. Is he healthy? You got Kirby Doc fight trying to make a roster spot. Uh, Yoki Haru trying to finally win over Jeremy Colleton. You know what's reason. interesting too is about whomever they add. It's there's an expansion picture that it's also because adding yep. adding Mata now is it's another guy that you have to protect and. Um, that you already have Cannon Taves and Keith and Seabrook you have to and you got Strom and Debrinkit and the numbers add up pretty Yoki Haru fits in that picture yeah, too and, yeah. and now Mata it's you bring on Pavelski or whomever 
it's it's going to complicate who they can expose. I think that's at this when, point. I think that's when ex- they lose Connor Murphy. I yeah, think that's, I mean, that's going to end up. Or yeah, really. Sod even, or I mean, it's, I mean, there's guys that right now with the Sod's contract run out that year. I don't even. Well, it's after this next season, so he's got two more, right? Yeah, no, you're right. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that's also I guess part of the equation is that a year from now, it's yeah, you may they're, expose. They're, go, they're going to be exposing some yeah. legitimate players. Yeah, so that I think that's yeah, because you're certainly going to protect the Brinkin and Strong and some of those right, guys, right? And, you know, you harder, but there's Murphy or Sod or. Matter, you know, like it's. I think that I mean, ideally, you go out, maybe you get a Pavelski and you spend a little bit of money there, but I think you add something else. But you ideally want a guy that's on a one one year contract or something. You, you well, it's got to be relative. It's got to be no more than three years, certainly. And you can't, you can't be going out giving a six year contract out yeah. to anybody. Because right, because like you know, if you got you got Mata who's at four, you had Pavelski who's what six or seven mm-hmm. is that. You're already up to eleven, and then you add a third guy. Like, right. if it's a one-year deal, you can do that because he can come out. And that's the thing. A off. lot of these guys are like, like, like an Anders Lee potentially. He's going to yeah. want a six or seven-year deal. Yeah, and this is his big contract. So I don't see them adding two forwards of that caliber. No, like it's. That's yeah. why I, I, that's why I thought Pavelski would be a good fit because you get him for three years, like kind of like the Marlowe deal in Toronto, except he's much better than Marlowe. Yeah, um, and younger too, and more productive. Um, and it, it's just like a stopgap. It's like here's here's a temporary patch until everything else comes into play. Yeah. You, you need a rental, right? Like you need that's what you. Yeah. And then even Gu- I mean Gustafson's a UFA. Like if and don't give any more no movement clauses. Out. Yeah, yeah, probably don't give any. More. <laughs> um, but so we've been in Vancouver for four days. Yeah, we had a, we had there's something like sixty five athletic people here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible to no, see the, what, I mean, the, the stuff sprawl on the site we have. Is, yeah, like it's just. I'm not sure how anyone reads. <laughs> I, I don't know how you follow this stuff without being an athletic subscriber yeah, at this yeah. point. Um, uh, yeah, and there's a whole lot more to come. So uh, I love this city, by the way. This is just yeah. This no. this arena is woefully unprepared to host this kind of event, but this city is so great. I don't really care. <laughs> and it didn't rain here. Like the last like ten times I've been here, it's been pouring nonstop. Nice. So it's been nice. Um. What, you want to sign us off? No, no. I, I, this is this is your. your oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I got to figure out how to edit this and put it on the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> I, be, before I had a very simple system. We do another, if we do another one between now and before until we get our professional, I will figure out the podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see how the, this 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 one has had good audio in the past, so we'll okay. put it out. But right. uh, for Scott Powers, I'm Mark Lazarus. This is the LP Podcast signing off from Vancouver. Bye.